Well, let me, a uh, little boy was uh, sick one day, and he was in Sunday, he was in church every Sunday, but this one Sunday he was at home sick, stayed at home with his mom. His dad comes home, and his dad's waving a big palm. And, and the little boy says to his father, he says, Dad, where did you get the palm, and, and what is that? And he said, well, today is Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus came, uh, came to us. And he said, the pastor gave us all a palm so that we could celebrate that. And the little boy said, man, the one Sunday I miss, Jesus shows up. <laughs> well, parties are, are, are a huge thing. Anybody in the room like a party? Like parties? Um, you like to plan them? You like to have a party thrown in your behalf? Well, you know, parties are, are really a, an interesting thing, and, and they have a lot of surprises. We have expectations for our parties, and we want it to be done just right. And, and if we're certainly the person that's uh, enjoying the party, um, it's really big. In, in, in America, we celebrate a huge party, and it usually comes after the Super Bowl win. And it's a big party, and it happens, and the winning team gets to travel through their uh, home streets, and they celebrate. The New England Patriots got to celebrate their party not, not long ago at the beginning of the year after their narrow defeat of the Atlanta Falcons. And hopefully one day, folks, hopefully one day we'll be able to do this in Tampa. I mean, uh, Super Bowl win. And uh, so they're excited, and you can see the confetti, the excitement, and all the things that happen with that. But what happens when you have an expectation of how something is supposed to to work out, or maybe what you thought was doesn't work out at all. Uh, I was taking Patty to the bank not long ago, and, uh, and, and the bank was closed, so she needed to go to the ATM, so I drove up to the ATM to minimize her walk there, and she's walking up to the ATM, and I noticed that I'm in a no parking zone, and I didn't want to get in trouble. You know, I like to you know, abide by the laws, and I don't ever want my picture in the paper, you know, pastor breaks law by parking illegally, you know, or anything like that. So I went and I moved the car into a, a, a parking space, but I could see her in my rearview mirror, and she was fine, and she's tapping on the screen and getting the money that she needs and all of that. Well, she comes back and returns to the car and throws open the, the passenger door, and all of a sudden she's just in a harumph. There's folders and papers and stuff, and, 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 and a mess has been made quite a bit. And I'm yakking on the phone, yak, 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 and that bothers her very much when I'm yakking on the phone in the car. And all of a sudden, she had had enough, and she takes the folders and paper, and she throws them into the back seat. And she said, I'm gone for five minutes, and you've trashed the car. I don't even have a seat anymore. You've got this stuff here, and look, and you're yakking on the phone. You're probably not even listening to me, are you? And she looked at me for a response, although it wasn't me. And the voice in the driver's seat said, ma'am, who are you? And she said, whoops, my bad, I'm in the wrong car. <laughs> so she got in the right car. Surprise! You know, that, that's kind of the way, the way that we celebrate on this, this holiday. Surprise. Sometimes things just aren't the way we think. Sometimes we plan it, we visualize it, we think it through, we know the way that it's supposed to be. Maybe you've done this, I know I've done this. We set an expectation, and that expectation is raised, and we want things our way, we want it just this way, and it's got to work out just fine, and then we'll be happy. But sometimes things don't work out at all the way that we think, and then it's an uh-oh, it's a huge letdown. And we're not really sure what to do. A, a Sunday school teacher was teaching her preschool class. Uh, Brittany Smirsky's running our um, words in the back on our, our audio or on our visual stuff, and she's our preschool director. So Brittany will probably resonate with the story. You know, teaching preschoolers uh, can be a, a difficult thing. Any preschool teachers in the, there's a couple of them that are here. They're, they're like going, please don't make me raise my hand. 
But teaching little kids about you know, faith and all, that's a difficult task. And this one Sunday school teacher teaching preschoolers just wanted to be really validated that the time that she was spending was being spent well. So she asked the question, who knows what Easter is about? And the little boy raised his hand and she called on him and she said, tell us. And he said, well, that's when we eat turkey and our family comes and we watch a lot of football. And she thought, eh, yeah, I think you're thinking of Thanksgiving. And a little girl raised her hand and she said, what's Easter about? She says, well, that's when we run down the stairs and we come down and there's all these really pre pretty presents and we open them up and everybody's really happy. She says, no, sweetie, that's Christmas. And the teacher's not feeling very affirmed about herself. And finally, the little boy's kind of hesitant. She said, yes, what is Easter about? He said, that's the holiday when, when Jesus went to the cross and he died for our sins. And she's going, yes, finally, I have been validated. And then he continued. And if he sees his shadow when he comes out of the hole, we have six more weeks of winter. <laughs> Sometimes things aren't what we think they should be. And I think that's probably what happened to Jesus when he came into Jerusalem. I think Jesus had an expectation. The people certainly had an expectation. Here comes Jesus into Jerusalem, and the people have this huge expectation as to what it should be, and he comes in, and, and things aren't really the way that they thought they should be. So, so let's take a look in, in the Gospel of Matthew, and let's look at um, chapter 21, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. So let's take a look at this. When they neared Jerusalem, having arrived at Bethphage on Mount Olives, Jesus sent two disciples with these instructions. So Jesus is telling them to go do something. Go over to the village across from you, and you'll find a donkey tethered there, her colt with her. Untie her, bring her to me. And if anyone asks what you're doing, say, the master needs them, and he will send them with you. This is the full story of what was sketched earlier by the prophet. Tell Zion's daughter, look, at kings, look, your king's on his way, poised and ready, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, full of a, of a pack animal. And the disciples went and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And they led the donkey and the colt out, laid some of their clothes on them. And Jesus mounted and nearly all the people in the crowd threw their garments down on the road, giving them him a royal welcome. And others cut branches from the trees and they threw them down as a welcome mat. And crowds went ahead and crowds followed, and all of them calling out, Hosanna to David's son, blessed is he who comes in the God's name, Hosanna in the highest. So you read this, and you think, wow, this is a banner day for Jesus. Everybody's excited, he's coming into town, they're throwing a big party, there's confetti everywhere, although it's palm branches, they're throwing their clothes all around so that he can walk upon that as a sign of royalty as he's entering in. If we just stop right there, we miss the entire story. And sometimes that's what we do. We, we read the Bible and find the one thing that makes us feel good and we stop. And we could just hold it right there and it'll be fine. If we do that and we pause the story, we miss the entire reason for Holy Week. Jesus enters into Jerusalem and he comes and, and all of a sudden you know, we, we find ourselves wondering and, and thinking about all of this. Well, I think it's really interesting that if we read the story before the triumphant entry, we find the fact that Jesus encounters two blind men. He comes into their presence. Now, now, now think of it for a second. They've been blind since birth. They can't see. They probably have learned uh, different voices. They're probably in tune with their senses when there's excitement and things that are going on. And folks who are blind know how to use their other senses when they've lost their sight. 
So, so they know something is happening and they're hearing the buzz and the whispers and they're hearing the, the noise and the things that are happening. As people before Jesus rides into Jerusalem on his way, they're starting to talk about this guy named Jesus, this one who has done all these signs, these miracles, the one who is proclaiming to be the guy. And all of a sudden, these two blind men, instead of shouting out praises to a king, what do they say? They say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy. So all the people who have gathered around, they're chanting a king. It's like this winsome experience of this king that's arrived. And the whole crowds are, are chanting. They're probably doing the wave and stuff. Jesus is in town. They're excited. And these two blind men very softly are saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. I can imagine how the crowds, like crowds can do, the crowd is, is excited and it's rancorous and they're not real happy with these two men who are going against the flow of what the crowd is saying. And, and that's kind of what happens, isn't it? We get into a crowd and depending upon what's being said in the crowd, we can either be leaders in the crowd or we can be followers in the crowd. And some of the greatest challenges that we face as people comes because we don't speak up. And we go along with the crowd. And as long as we go along with the crowd and everybody else is happy, then maybe we'll be okay. But these two blind men were seeking something. They weren't seeking Jesus as the triumphant king ready to overthrow Rome. They saw him as a king of mercy and compassion. I think about what's going on in our world right now with just all the horrible things that are happening. And there's a part of us that, that, and we talked about it last week, that we want to immediately go to Hammurabi's code. And we want to immediately say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And we want to bring about justice. And folks, there are times when those kinds of things have to happen. But I know that it's ironic today, with all that we're going through, the words spoken are, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Maybe we need to become a people of mercy and maybe if we were merciful to people that are in the travails of danger in the world, maybe it would change the dynamics of who we might be. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. More happens. Matthew raises this story up as the prophet of Zechariah, his image of a humble king. And Matthew is very quick to pull them back to the Old Testament teaching because that was their Bible. And he's helping them to understand that the king that they seek is not coming as a warrior. The king that they seek is not coming with sword. The king that they seek is not coming with armored cars. The king that they seek is not coming with weaponry. The king that they seek is coming on a donkey and a colt and a foal, the sign of peace. And the people are missing the point because the only thing that they can see, the only thing that they desire, the only thing that they want is justice against Rome. And if that had happened, just think, how long would it have been had the leadership of Israel become just like Rome. 
Matthew says the words of Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Your king comes to you righteous, having salvation, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The crowds of people, they're paving the way for Jesus. They're waving palms. The palm is the sign of nationalism. And in our country, the sign of nationalism might be we wave our flag or, or we wave some sort of whatever. But here they're, they're waving palms, the sign of nationalism, that Israel will rise up again and be the power to overthrow the big bully called Rome. And Jesus said, Notice how I'm arriving. Don't miss what I'm showing you. Kind of takes us back to when he arrived in the first place, doesn't it? His birth was foretold. The signs were there. And yet those who were looking for him, those who should have known, did not see it. But the lowly and oppressed did. Jesus returns as he's coming to his time of death. Verse 10 tells us something pretty amazing as well. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, and they asked this, and, and I find this kind of comical. You know, Jesus, the rock star, he's coming. The word has gotten out. Everybody's excited about what's happening with Jesus. They know all that has been reported about him, and he's there in his midst, and they're kind of caught up with the crowd. Yeah, woo, who is this guy? They can't see. So sometimes our emotion isn't what should lead our heart. Sometimes our emotion should not be what identifies who God is because emotions can change. But what we seek is the transformation. And as Jesus rides into Jerusalem, that's what he seeks. He seeks the transformation of this. He doesn't come to be the king warrior. He doesn't come to be the liberator. He doesn't come to be the one that destroys Rome and, and, and restores Israel power. And the reason why Matthew writes so heavily about this is at the time that Matthew's gospel gets birth, a lot of really horrible things have happened in Jerusalem. The temple has been ransacked. Hundreds of thousands of Jews have been killed. Rome has gone to overpower yet another false messiah at that particular time. It's around 70 AD. Jesus has long been dead. And Matthew is trying to resurge the nationalism of the Jewish people. And that's why he's making sure that we understand this story. And he says to them, quit trying to overpower because you're not going to win but God will win. And you need to trust in what God will do. Jesus came as the king to overcome our sin. He came to give us new life. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It is of, of all worlds. Jesus' kingdom does not end at the time of his death. In fact, his kingdom reigns forever. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. And he is everlasting. So Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem is to say, my kingdom is different. I am a, a man of peace. I am a God of mercy. And I will shower you, my people, with this peace and with this mercy. And I come to conquer sin, the real, the real enemy. And when we can conquer sin in him, then the world is truly a better place. In 1918, the Habsburg dynasty 
uh, became no more. In fact, in Austria, the king had advocated the throne and he had come to a point where he did not allow his daughter Zita to take the throne to become the queen. And as he left, they shut the whole, the, the government abolished the Habsburg dynasty. And, and so Austria no longer had a monarchy. Well, for her entire life, Zita continued to say that she had a rightful ownership to the throne, that she was to be the rightful queen of Austria. And she maintained that all the way until 1993 at the time of her death. And at the time of her death, they actually went and they put a funeral together, a funeral that was worthy of one of royalty, of one, one who was deemed as a monarch, and her casket was, was made of the finest woods, and it was adorned in the finest metals and gold and silver and platinum, and it had jewels be bestowed upon it, and it was befitting for a monarch. And as the funeral procession made its way to the Habsburg Cathedral, the casket was parked right in front of the west door of the cathedral. And the, and the crier came, and he walked to the great door, and he banged on it three times. Bam! 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 And a voice from inside says, Who is it that seeks entrance into this cathedral? And the crier said, Zita, rightful queen of Austria, her royal highness and defender of the faith. And the voice from inside says, we know no one by that name. The town crier banged again, bam, bam, bam. And the voice from inside said, who is it that seeks interest into this cathedral? And the crier said, this is Zita, the rightful queen of Austria. She has come to claim her eternal place of rest. She is the defender of faith. She is the true monarch. And the voice from inside said, we know no one by that name. And the town crier came a third time and he banged on the, on the door, bam, bam, bam. And the voice from inside said, who is it that seeks entrance into this cathedral? And the crier said, Zita, a child of God, a sinner, seeking forgiveness and grace through her Lord Jesus Christ. And the massive western gates opened and Zita's coffin was brought in and buried inside of the cathedral. Here's my perspective. Jesus came into Jerusalem to let us know something. And that was that sometimes the images of what we think is right and wrong and what we should and shouldn't do, sometimes God's plan is a lot bigger than the vision we have. And we should not limit ourselves to that vision. But I also believe that as Jesus came into Jerusalem and made his way down onto the cross and died for our sins, instead of just opening up the doors of the church for us, he opened up the doors of heaven. That you and I, not only here on earth commending his work, but committing his work in heaven into life eternal. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And the question on this Palm Sunday is, what kind of king do you want Jesus to be?